0: Hi, I'm Supriya Chanira and I'm thrilled to introduce you to one of my closest friends today. Radhika is a scholar with an incredibly successful career as a psychologist, and today, she'll talk to us about therapy. Hi Rad. it's 11pm in India right now, so I'm just going to start by saying thank you for being
1: up. I'm so glad that we're doing this, even though it is 11 o'clock in India. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're doing this and you have this podcast and I'm so glad to be part of it and to be able to have a conversation about something that of course is so important to me. So then let's get right into it.
0: So here's the question, how do you define therapy?
1: So I've been a counselor for over 10 years now and I come to understand that therapy means different things for different people. But what I see as being sort of core to the whole process is things like learning to manage life's challenges. So it's really learning skills to deal with things that come our way. I think therapy or counseling or psychotherapy helps us learn a lot about ourselves. It helps us learn a lot about people people around us. And it sort of throws light on our relationships as well. So I see it as a way towards living lives that are slightly healthier and more fulfilling. Ones in which we have more awareness of what's going on around us. So I do want to say of course that how therapists approach therapy is going to be very different based on the school of thought that one ascribes to but I feel like just a sense of reducing suffering, reducing difficulties, understanding oneself better are sort of like the common goals across the different kinds of therapies that therapists do.
0: That's something that I've always been curious about, and this is also because you deal a lot with children. How do parents identify if their children need therapy?
1: That's quite a large question. There are several aspects of it I'd like to actually talk about. But if I'm looking at firstly, just like a very technical response, I'd say that if a child is having any difficulty with anything that seems to in some way overwhelm their lives, It's a good starting point. So difficulty should be something that lasts for a little while. So we're talking about something that isn't like a day or two old, but has been a problem for, say, a couple of weeks. And this something seems to impact with the child's functioning. So to just give you an example, I think what I'm sort of trying to lay emphasis on is the fact that duration. And the difficulty that it causes are sort of crucial in understanding if my child needs help so for example if a child has a very close friend who moves away for say after a very long time and my child is a little bit sad a little withdrawn that's okay that's a fairly normal response to a situation that's hard for a child to deal with however if that same child continues to be withdrawn Weepy, teary, stops eating properly, isn't sleeping well, and it's affecting ability to focus in school or their relationships at home, that would be a good time to get an expert to weigh in. So I'm just thinking about things like how long is this problem lasting for and in what ways is this coming in the way of a child's regular way of functioning. I want to add another thing before we move on to another question that and I, I've seen this quite often in what I do as well, that it's often not the child who needs the therapy, but perhaps a parent who needs guidance. I think from my own experience, I mean, even though I I have a degree in, in psychology, parenting has been a hard thing to do. I think it's one of the hardest things one can do. And not all of us know innately what needs to be done. And sometimes what I think tends to happen, it's easier and sometimes a bit more tempting to make the child feel like he or she is the problem. You know, you sort of say, I have a really, really difficult child to deal with. It's very easy for me to say that the kid's being the problem, but I'm not, right? So I think it's also important for a parent to recognize when they need help with their parenting or with how they are dealing with their children, how they can perhaps understand their children better, be more respectful of their child or accept their child for who they are. So that then we're able to understand if it's really the child who needs the counseling or the parent who needs some guidance. So again, I'm just thinking while we're talking of this example that comes to my mind about how I knew of this child who would found it, find it very hard to be without his mother. He would cry excessively and he started getting tummy aches. And the problem was noticed to be within the child, right? Because the child was exhibiting these symptoms, but ended up being that This child had heard his parents fight bitterly and had heard his mother threaten to leave. So for him, his worry was the mum was going to leave and he just wanted to hold on to her for as long as he could. So here I see it as the parents needing, having needed some help with how to deal with conflict and how not to expose the child to what's going on and not really the child being excessively needy or clingy. I think
0: what you say is so important, you know, I don't have children, but It is just so important to know that that correlation or just being self-aware as well as aware of your children's need is paramount. You know, something that, again, makes me curious about when it comes to therapy specifically is I've heard many people say that going to therapy is a rich person's thing. Is that just because it's expensive or perceived to be expensive? Or is there a larger psychological reasoning behind people saying this? Because I also know people who can actually afford it, but hide behind such statements.
1: I think a lot of it does have to do with affordability and access. I feel like um, therapy is expensive. And if we are looking at therapy as being a process, you're going to be going back to see the therapist, you know, weekly for a couple of months. And it's not like one appointment with a doctor that sorts something out it involves sometimes a long waiting period, access can be limited. So yes, I think that there is an element of expense that comes in. But I think you've raised an important question. I don't think it's just the expenses. I think that that's sort of the garb that it's sort of covered with. But I think, equally importantly, I think it has quite a lot to do with how therapy is perceived by people. And um, I'm really happy to see that the pandemic has brought about some changes with it. I know that mental health has become a more acceptable idea or notion that people are talking about. A lot of people are talking about how they've been feeling. So in a way, there has been this shift that's really good for society. But I think it still remains for most people, or some people, I shouldn't say most people, that if I need to see a therapist, I need to accept that I need help with something, right? I'm sort of, I pride myself on having it all together. And i I'm working really hard at functioning and doing all of my things. And if I feel like I need to see a therapist, then I feel like I'm losing control over my life. So it almost seems like it's reinforcing a sort of inadequacy that I could be feeling, and that's threatening. And I think that's why there's reluctance and hesitation about seeing a therapist. You and I
0: grew up in India, and we both know that as compared to the Western world, there is a huge stigma around therapy, or at least there was. I don't know what the status quo is right now. But going back to what you said about, it's just so important for us to believe that we've got it together and going to a therapist reveals that weakness in some way or another. Is that a feeling that we still have in India as a country? Or is that slowly changing?
1: When you talked about us growing up in India, I couldn't help but go back to you know our ninth grade and tenth grade and how we didn't have a counselor in school of course but how it was very often I mean it wasn't a conversation that we ever had in school about mental health and about students our age reaching out and getting help for something it was almost like you know you just had to have your stuff together and figure it out it was nice to just go back there for a bit but I think I'm happy to to see that it is changing And I think that there's been so much coverage in mainstream media, people have begun to allow this idea that I don't have to be okay all the time to seep in. And of course, celebrities sharing their own stories have been just so instrumental in people accepting their own mental health challenges. So if I see the shift, I see that, so I I work in a school setup. And I know that in many schools in india unfortunately it hasn't picked up in the way that it should but many schools in india have access to counselors and i think with that there's a certain amount of normalizing that's taking place within the child and subsequently in the household that the child lives in so it sort of becomes part of a conversation that's there from really early on in a lot of ways it's it's hard to give and overgeneralization in India, I think there's so many, there's so much diversity in every way. I'm sad to see that the stigma does still remain to quite an extent. You know, there remains a sense amongst the majority of people that if someone's getting help, that they're unstable in some way, or they're crazy, or or they're weak and incapable of dealing with life's stresses. I think it's crucial that this continues to change. Human suffering is a part of every human being's experience, and When we are suffering and we're finding it hard to cope naturally, we have to look at help being a strength rather than something that should in some way inhibit or come in the way of my life. I find it so interesting that you brought up
0: counseling in schools, particularly because it just goes back to the fact that to normalize things, things need to be inducted into our life at a young age. It's almost like if we see it happen at home and it's a normalized conversation at home, it almost becomes a normal way of life in a society, whichever one that might be. That said, maybe because I have you, I have never been to a therapist. And sometimes, again, I just think that I'm blessed to have friends like you to, to be able to win. But the other part is, I guess a part of me believes to go to a therapist, something major has to have happened in my life. What would you say to people like me? Or what I'm trying to
1: ask you is should everyone try therapy? I think there is this feeling that is this something for me to actually be sad about? You know, it's it's a lot of second guessing ourselves and questioning experiences. Um, I know you mentioned does something major need to happen in someone's life for them to actually reach out for help. So I think it's going to be very different for every individual, right? In The way that you define major is going to be very different from how I define major, right? The nature of the problem, how it's impacting me, how it's affecting my work, my relationships. It's going to be a very private experience for me that perhaps another person is is not going to be able to understand. So I want to say that the sense of something being major has to be subjective. So I think a good rule of thumb to keep in mind is... Just is this affecting me in some way? Is it affecting my normal rhythm of things? Am I feeling not okay? Is something within me feeling different, right? At which point I think you should reach out and see a therapist because the process is just amazing. I mean, I think there's, I think it's, of course, this is not probably what you're getting at, but even for me as a therapist, when I'm sitting across someone who comes in, the process is amazing for me as well. So I think if you do feel like you need help with something, what others feel or think is secondary. If you are not feeling okay about something, therapy will help cut out some of that internal noise. It'll help give you a space to be who you are and sort of be accepted in that moment. Because I think that for all of us, we're playing so many different roles in our lives. That sometimes I feel like we're not sure of what we're thinking or who we are or, you know, just what I for myself think about this versus me as a wife or me as a mother. So I think that, yes, certainly it will help you place a mirror up in front of you, help you understand yourself better and make sense of your life better. I love that. Also,
0: because I think the past year or I guess even 2021 thing for most of us has been that year of self-reflection. Where you just asked yourself endless amounts of questions to which I don't have answers, but I continue to ask those questions. But it's taught me a lot about myself, so I guess I'm grateful. That said, Rads, what have you learned about yourself in 2020?
1: What are those few things you're taking into this year? So I think when, when the whole pandemic hit us and it all started out, I just felt like it's going to be this bleak year where you know you're just going to not have very much happening for you on a personal level because everything was just so restricted so I feel like you know in this year as well there's been a lot of reflection like you said a lot of introspecting thinking about things that maybe you didn't have the time to think about earlier there was too much else distracting you here's something that I always knew because I'd studied this subject for so many years But this is something that I think for the first time I've really understood and experienced at a deeper level. So one thing for me is certainly that the understanding and awareness that we're all product of our experiences. However, I've become even more aware of this now because I think that our realities or our own experiences do interact with other people's experiences as well. So sometimes say that, In this pandemic I've spent a lot of time with my family maybe my husband and I have not had the time to think about some of these things like we are doing right now so I think it's just helped me in learning to be a bit more respectful of someone else accepting their limitations right I'm also learning to be more compassionate with myself thereby even being more compassionate with others I want to add one more thing that I that I've sort of understood a bit more deeply, and that's come based on reading this wonderful book by Viktor Frankl. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And I quote and I, because I don't think I can say it the way that he has. So I quote between stimulus and response. There is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response, lies our growth and our freedom. So I think with this thought has sort of been running in my mind quite a bit. It's helped me understand that within all of us, there is an amount of agency that we all have. And in choosing those options or those responses or reactions and doing things in a certain way, we're constantly evolving into being healthier and happier human beings.
0: Thank you so,
1: so much for doing this, Rad. Thank you. Thank you, Supo, for using this platform to talk about something so important that everybody will be helped thinking about.